I give gratitude this morning for our sermon topic to Charlie Lutz, your worship associate, who picked it upon winning the opportunity to choose any topic for me to preach at our service auction last year. Now, I always have these grand visions of people picking a topic to try to stump the minister. I want you to preach on UFOs, Scientology, and the mystical properties of beer all at once. Please, go right ahead. (laughs) Instead, what I found is people tend to choose pressing issues that dig deep into the ethical and moral dimensions of our lives, things that are important to all of us. We've explored Black Lives Matter. We've explored how to overcome obstacles. We've explored dealing and wrestling with mental health challenges. Charlie wrote to me not too long ago, here is the sermon I would like you to think about. How does an atheist evaluate whether she is working toward being a good person? What is a good atheist? What are the signposts, the markers to know whether or not he is on the right track? Part of the question, Charlie continues, is a basic one that can be dealt with quickly. Can I be a good atheist? I'm convinced the answer is yes. But the bigger question is this. How do I know that I'm heading in the right direction? Well, thank you for allowing me to be off the hook with the first part of your question. Can you be a good atheist? The answer is yes. Done. Church is over with today. (laughs) But I'm afraid it is not that easy. In order for me to answer the second part of the question, how does an atheist know they are going in the right direction, I need to answer the first one in a bit more depth. The question itself is interesting and forces us to examine the nature of the question. While I, too, am convinced the answer is yes, you can be a good atheist. I believe that how that question is often asked is a little bit discriminatory. Now, if atheists are asking themselves that question, it signals to me a a level of self-awareness, and that's good for us all to have. But I think you know what I'm talking about. Perhaps you've experienced it yourself. Oftentimes, when people learn Unitarian Universalism is not dependent on any one deity or any deity at all, what they often launch into is the question of, what's the source of your morals? How do you know right from wrong? I find that question to be frustrating. It supposes our sense of goodness and our path forward in life is dependent on not only heeding the teachings of a deity but in picking the right one to begin with. Now, I will not go into the litany of abuses that have been wrought upon the world in the name of a deity. I will not cite the scripture verses that illustrate those deities committing their own atrocities. There have been atheistic movements in our history that have committed atrocities as well. This is not a game of who has the lowest body count in history, but it is an inquiry into the source of our morality. And for me, it has nothing to do with any god or goddess. Now, I often tell people that my viewpoint is humanist. In reality, I'm a religious naturalist, which encompasses my affirmation of humanism. But what does that mean? And what does that have to do with the question before us this morning? Well, in short, as a religious naturalist, I believe in a great story. It is not a story of apostles defying the Roman Empire, of great night rides and ladders reaching into heaven, or of a people wandering the desert. 
It is a far greater story than that. And it's not the story of Jesus, Allah, Yahweh, Ganesh, Brahma, Ahura, Mazda, Odin, Athena, or any prophet, god, or goddess, though I do enjoy all of those stories. No. The story I believe in is the story. Our story. Everyone's story. The epic of cosmic evolution. The story of the universe which began 13.8 billion years ago and continues in this moment. And from that story, I experience what I can only describe as the religious. Awe, wonder, love for this world, and for life itself. And I feel a need to express that. I feel a need to somehow express that in community, to create and partake of rituals that honor those feelings, and to commit myself to compassion and care. And within this viewpoint, there is no god, goddess, or anything supernatural. Only the natural world, this universe, this moment. What this means is that as a religious naturalist, or what some would call a non-theist or an atheist, I am keenly invested in understanding life itself. Now, I'm not a scientist, and many of you are. But I can approach science with curiosity and humility. Here's what I have come to know about life. Life is inherently aware. I don't mean to suggest awareness in the same sense as the consciousness we experience. I'll leave that to the neuroscientists to debate over. What I mean of awareness is the bacterium under the microscope moving away from a solution that is not favorable to it toward one that is. What I mean is the way a plant will bend itself toward a light source and adjust should that light source change. What I mean is the bonobo chimpanzee mourning the loss of a baby in their community and a gorilla comforting an injured friend. Life is aware in unique and varied ways, but it is almost always aware in a way that ensures its continued flourishing for itself and for its community. Human beings are no different. We are pro-social animals. Not only are we aware of ourselves in astounding ways, we are keenly and naturally interested in supporting one another. Hardwired in our strands of DNA is that same impulse of the bacterium, move toward that which is life-giving. And for human beings, part of what is life-giving for us is community. This brief and incomplete science lesson is rudimentary for many of you. For those of you that spend your time in the lab during the week, it might just be a little too poetic. But it answers the question beneath the question. Can you be a good atheist? Yes, because you can be a good human being. It is in our very bones And religion does not provide us with the capacity for goodness, though it can certainly call us to it. But why even begin with such a narrative? Why wax poetic poetic about a bacterium under a microscope? Because it's beautiful. And why shouldn't the beauty of the natural world, the wonders of science, why shouldn't these be things that inspire us? In a world where anti-science rhetoric such as climate change denial and the anti-vaxxer movement are hurting and threatening our species, 
we could use some appreciation of the sciences. But I also share this narrative beginning with the Big Bang because I believe the question about being a good atheist must be divorced from the creation stories of traditional religion. Atheists, agnostics, religious naturalists, humanists, free thinkers, skeptics, whatever term you prefer, we are not beholden to such stories. We are beholden only to the ever unfolding story of everything, the physical universe. And what that story tells us is that life emerged on this tiny speck of a planet and that life was and is aware. It was aware of itself in myriad ways and that awareness was passed on down until Homo sapiens emerged, a pro-social and complex species of primate. Now, I've used the term pro-social a few times here. What does that mean for us? It means that which is moral. Ah, but the philosopher sitting here is going, what is moral? I can only defer to contemporary ethicists when they say that which is moral is that which allows human beings to flourish in community. Now I need to stop here and add, all of this is subjective. There can be so many ands, ifs, and buts to any argument, and I don't believe in any objective truth, at least on this topic. I would even go so far as to say there is no inherent meaning in any of this discussion. The philosopher Royal, Loyal Rue once remarked, Nihilism is real! Nihilism being the belief that there is no meaning in life in the universe. But after exclaiming that, Rue said in his next breath, But nihilism is also BS. <laughs> he explained, that just because there is no obvious meaning, we have evolved as creatures that make meaning of everything. A beaver builds a dam. A hummingbird collects nectar. Human beings create meaning. But what this also means is that the second part of our question today, how does an atheist know they are heading in the right direction? It's a complicated one. It is not enough to just say, well, it's in our nature to be moral, to support other humans, to affirm life. Or is it? Is it really that simple? If it is our biological mandate to flourish as individuals in community, is that the basis of our morality? Is that how we know we are headed in the right direction? So a religious naturalist would say yes. This past week, I was at my alma mater in Chicago, studying with Dr. Ursula Goodenough a retired cell biologist from Washington University and the president of the Religious Naturalist Association. Dr. Goodenough was at once earthy and relatable, wise and hopeful. Some of you have heard me speak her credo from her book, The Sacred Depths of Nature, before. Here it is again. She writes, And so I profess my faith. For me, the existence of all this complexity and awareness and intent and beauty and my ability to apprehend it serves as the ultimate meaning and the ultimate value. The continuation of life reaches around, grabs its own tail, and forms a sacred circle that requires no further justification. No creator, no superordinate meaning of meaning, no purpose other than that the continuation continues until the sun collapses or the final meteor collides. I confess a credo of continuation. And in so doing, I confess as well a credo of human continuation. 
if we can revere how things are and can find a way to express gratitude for our existence, then we should be able to figure out, with a great deal of work and goodwill, how to share the earth with one another and with other creatures, how to restore and preserve its elegance and grace, and how to commit ourselves to love and joy and laughter and hope. In this credo, she starts to give shape to what morality is for non-theists. Yes, it might be in our nature, but it also requires an ethic of gratitude. Gratitude, there is something at all that we are alive, that we can experience and know this wondrous universe. But from this gratitude, recognize that this world is not perfect. Evil does exist. There are human beings for reasons known and unknown that have sought to destroy life, and many are still doing so now. Many have succeeded, and many have succeeded in ways where the destruction was not readily apparent. What this means for non-theists, and I would say for Unitarian Universalists, is that our gratitude for the beauty and wonder of the world around us asks of us a, for a commitment to right relationship. The Jews call it tikkun olam, the repair of the world. Dr. Goodenough also suggests there are four virtues which human beings should cultivate. The first is humaneness, also known as compassion, agape, benevolence, and charity. The second is fair-mindedness, as in justice, honesty, and trustworthiness. She goes on to describe that these traits are found in non-human primates, in bonobos, in granil in gorillas, in chimpanzees. Their expression is not always perfect, but as human beings, we can be intentional in our cultivation of these virtues. The third one she lists is courage. This is not the courage we experience when skydiving or even in self-defense, but it is existential courage. The ability to hold a big idea, such as Unitarian Universalism, or a large passion, such as a commitment to racial justice, and to hold those ideas as being more important than our own safety when the time comes. But that courage is tempered by reverence, the fourth virtue. Reverence is that experience of the wondrous and awe-inspiring in the natural, physical world. And it is through reverence that we are endowed with humility and avoid self-absorption. I suspect the world could do with a good dose of reverence these days. Dr. Goodenough looks at these four virtues and says, those are all well and good. But there's one more virtue she suggests that ties them all together. Mindfulness. Mindfulness for Goodenough is the human capacity to take in understandings of reality without needs, biases, or prejudice, without rigidity, dogmatism, or fundamentalism, whether you're a theist or an atheist. Mindfulness is a practice and a path and never a destination. And it is a good habit to be nurtured. But what are we to be mindful of as we experience an endeavor to practice humaneness, fair-mindedness, courage, and reverence? To name a few, we are called to be mindful of the fragility of life to look at the earth and go, 
everything that has ever happened has happened in this thin membrane around a rock hurtling through space. That is fragile. And we are to be mindful that life and the planet are wildly improbable. Mindful that all life is interconnected. Mindful of our creativity, our need for personal wholeness, our need for love and nurture. Greg Epstein, the author of the book Good Without God, who also serves as the humanist chaplain at Harvard, concurs with good enough. He suggests that intentional mindfulness, the act of sitting quietly, of meditating on our place in the natural world, of focusing on some of the things that we just listed, that in that practice we cultivate gratitude. But we also cultivate a deeper understanding of our individual path in life and how it relates to those around us. When did you last nurture a habit of mindfulness? For some of you, it was just this morning at our Sunday Sangha, right? Perhaps the act of singing a hymn serves as your moment of focus, or even just being sure you made it here and looked around and gave thanks for life this morning. What gratitude have you experienced lately? How has that made you feel? While commuting this past week to downtown Chicago every day, I was struck with gratitude again and again and again. As the sun reflected off the Chicago River as green as it is, the rush of people moving rhythmically, the beauty of the architecture towered above, and the lake lulled in magnificence. In those moments, I was struck with a realization of humaneness. All the people around me, including myself, are temporary beings. And we are just trying to figure it all out, to do what we can imperfectly. I also found in those morning walks a sense of fair-mindedness. The world is imperfect. There is injustice. The homeless asking for food and money. But there are also hidden injustices amongst the people. That led me to renewed courage. Courage to remember the big story of which we are all a part. The story of the universe. And more locally, the story of Unitarian Universalism. And from those stories, a renewed reverence and commitment to live out the values I hold dear. To do what I possibly can in my life to foster joy and laughter and hope. In many ways, these morning walks through the city were moral reflections without a deity, but with a great deal of mindfulness, awareness, and intention. Can you be a good atheist? Yeah. How do you know you're headed in the right direction? By cultivating a mindfulness that fosters deep reverence for humanity and life. And I would add, this all takes place in community. Sure, there are individual moments, but in community, in sharing and practicing our reverence for the beauty of the universe, we can, in part, avoid self-obsession. These are imperfect answers to big questions. The answers and the questions will surely change, and I hope they do. The more wisdom and knowledge we as a species gain from a deep understanding of the natural world, how could the answers not change? And how could our reverence not be magnified? And so for this topic again, 
Thank you, Charlie. It has given me a renewed commitment to share of my own understandings with intention. I truly do believe it is imperative that human beings carve out a moral story rooted in the wonders of science and the physical world. May we all be mindful of our place in the story, everybody's story, the epic that is the universe. And from that mindfulness, may we discover renewed reverence and gratitude for the beauty of life. May it always be so. Blessed be. Amen.